This is Pro Wrestling Illustrated, a love letter to independent wrestling from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I am your host, well, one of your hosts, PWI Editor-in-Chief Kevin McElvaney, with here as always, I'm going to forget the third name again, the Good Witch, the Conduit of Karma, the Divine Darling, is that it? That is a, you are right, you nailed it! I actually got, got it! it. <laughs> yes! Wow. I manifested Ooh. it, it, it. It took hold. We're good. <laughs> That's what you do. <laughs> Kaya, how's it going? It's it's going well, actually. I have, um, as of this recording, I have two more weeks in my crazy arm sling. But other than that, life's pretty good. As long as I'm not like laying on my back like a turtle that can't get up, no complaints. <laughs> that Yeah, I, I think the last time we did this was before you went in for surgery. So a lot's happened there. Yeah. Um, it's been good though. Like, honestly, I was a little bit nervous about it. Cause it, you know, you, you never know. It's, it's always sure. a big deal. And they did, when they did do my surgery, there was more damage than they had anticipated. So the <sighs> procedure was a little bit more complex than they had anticipated, but the recovery is going really well. I'm no longer having pain. My arm no longer drops out of place when I go to pet my dog. So this is a huge improvement. Ugh, in my Jeez. That's gruesome. <laughs> It was, it, was, it was pretty gnarly, um, but things are going well, you know, just trying to take it easy, get some rest, eat, eat lots of good food, um, self-care, hashtag self-care, uh, PT, lots of PT, being very diligent with my PT in hopes to hopefully maybe knock some of this downtime off. Cool. That's where we're at. Good. Well, I'm glad you're doing as well as you can, given the circumstances. We have a fun episode coming up today. The theme is a little bit different. Uh, actually, I guess it's not because we did have the Bay Area uh, focused episode, but we're looking we're just going acro- across the pond this time. You beat me to it. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, in Maryland, there's the other side of the ditch, which is when you're on the shore and then you go to Baltimore or D.C. is the other side of the ditch. I've so never heard across that the pond and then the other side of the ditch. Wow. <laughs> other side of the ditch. Yeah. Well, because when you look at Maryland on a map, it's like the bay comes up in between the state and kind of uh, bisects it, right? So it's like like a giant ditch. I don't know. (laughs) I never even thought about that. (laughs) It's just a saying I've heard people say growing up here my whole life. So I've never heard anybody on the metropolitan side say it. It has to be like a country eastern shore saying, (laughs) but it's a thing. Interesting. I think across the pond gets used on both sides of the pond, but... Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> but, but we're looking over to the land of uh, Monty Python and I was going to say the Sex Pistols. Forget that. The land of X-ray specs. Let's <laughs> let's go a little deeper. Um, jolly old England, the UK. Um, we are talking to a couple people from the UK today because, like, let's face it, there's a really exciting independent scene over there that doesn't get enough love. And it was getting quite a bit of love a few years ago. And then a lot of things changed that, uh, that affected that the rise of NXT UK, uh, being one of them. And we'll get into that a little bit during the interviews, but let's, let's just launch into this first one. Cause people don't want to hear me, uh, lay this up. Kaya, can you tell our listeners about our first guest here today? Yeah, I was really excited for this interview. We were able to sit down with Clementine, who is an absolute amazing human being. I enjoyed our conversation with her so much. She's the first woman to hold the Triple L Lucha Championship in the UK. She 
She literally, if you've never seen her, you have to go watch her perform because she is like a warrior princess in the ring. And it is so cool. You can see that she is very much invested in the development of her character and almost adds this little theatrical flair to her performance. And is she's so unique and she's just such a hustler and making so many strides so early in her career. It was a joy to speak with her. Thank you for joining us here today, Clementine. I know I know you're really busy. You've got a lot going on and definitely some exciting things we'd like to talk to you about. But I want to start off with a really high level kind of tough question. And that's the UK scene. So this is, you know, our podcast is focused mostly on the American independent scene. Pro Wrestling Illustrated is based in the US, but we're trying to cover wrestling around the globe. The UK scene was really hot for a while. responsibly was not running a lot of shows for a while there during the pandemic, whereas uh, over here, maybe not so much, but for someone who's maybe not educated on what the current UK indie scene looks like, what, what does it have going for it? Uh, what, what is there to see? What's the state of independent wrestling in, in Britain right now? Gosh, that is a very big question. I mean, it's it's interesting because before the before the plague struck and everything kind of shut down, I was only just starting to do shows outside of training. So most of my matches were in, you know, uh, London School of Lucha Libre, Triple L, that kind of thing. That's where I kind of got my match exposure. And I had, a f- I think I had maybe two matches outside of that at that stage. So I was still like, I still had my old gear with the fluffy like knee pads and everything. I was still very very new. And I feel like everyone was similar in the fact that everyone felt like they were hitting their stride and then the pandemic happened. Everyone had something that was just about to happen or something they were working towards, which was going to come into fruition. So when the pandemic stopped that, it was, it was odd because, you know, as we know, a lot of awful stuff happened, you know, in the community during that kind of time. But it was also a time for people to kind of to reevaluate who they wanted to be and where they wanted to go. And for a lot of people to, you know, whether they wanted to continue doing it at all. And when I was, I was invited by um, Charles Crowley to do the You're Cordially Invited film, which was meant to be a, it was a New Year short film. It was kind of about the, the death of wrestling, but also the rebirth. So it was a, I don't know if you've seen it. It's kind of like a, Battle Royal style short film where everyone gathers in this room and the one who wins is declared the winner of 2020 because it was, you know, such a hard year that everyone had to fight through. And in doing that, I was, you know, I felt like the newest there. I walked into the room and there were all these people who I just knew had done so much more than me, like Session Moth Martina was there, Elijah was there, Mad Kurt was there, so many people, um, Stevie Turner, who's now in NXT UK. And I remember doing that and thinking, well, this is this is kind of why I liked wrestling in the first place, because it was all about those slightly, you know, those unbelievable storylines, those big characters, those moments um, with, with combat as the kind of language, I guess. So that, at the end of such an awful year, was, um, was a massive kind of perk for everyone involved. It really kind of surged my ambition to do more. And... When things came back, um, a lot of people in lockdown had been signed to NXT UK. So a lot of people who were doing smaller shows before, like myself, suddenly found ourselves sort of elevated out of necessity to these positions that a lot of the women in NXT UK would have filled. So 
it felt like a complete roller coaster the whole of you know that 2021 year and I feel like everyone was running really fast to get back to where we were and I think because there was that there was that period of you know of coronavirus and a little bit of kind of cleaning up of the scene I think at the moment it's in a really good place because it kind of felt like everything needs to have a little bit of a a sort out and a purge sometimes and I think that what we've come back to is actually a really good creative place with lots of new people coming up and lots of opportunities. I know so many more people now just because of, because of that. And I love that. I think it's, I think it's a really exciting time to be, to be working right now. You mentioned uh, Triple L and interestingly enough, I recently discovered you were the first woman to hold the Triple L Lucha Championship in the UK. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because that's a really cool accomplishment. It was, it was really cool. I remember, um, when I first started training there, the shows, they were kind of, they were where they were when they sort of stopped. I hiatus, I suppose the right word, because technically they're not, you know, they haven't stopped. But I remember going in and there were, it was mostly, as most schools were, mostly dominated by um, male trainees because, you know, uh, wrestling is kind of traditionally quite a, a boisterous male thing to do um, for, for various reasons. And when I went in, there were a few... Um, there are a couple of women who were there already, but they never really, they didn't tend to stay very long. And it was a bit like every time a new one would come in, I'd be like, hello, let's do something. And they'd, they'd go, yeah, I'll see you next week. And then they wouldn't. And I got sad. I so, totally uh, relate to that. I totally relate to that. You get so excited. You're like, oh my God, yes, more ladies. And then it's like, yeah. well, now there's only three of us. Again. Yeah, exactly. You, you just want, to, you want them and you go up to them and you're like, you know, this is great. And this is great. And this is great. And we can work together and we can do private sessions and stuff. And protect at all costs. Yeah, literally. And I respect anyone who comes in and tries it out because that was a massive deal for me just doing that because I'm not naturally inclined to exercise or be in front of a crowd. So big step for me. But there was um, Darcy Stone is a really good friend of mine and she was already wrestling there and doing, you know, training. She'd been to Japan, training with Emi Sakura at Gata Move. And so she had a different kind of, she had a different energy to a lot of people who were there. And I liked watching her because she, she ran fast and she hit hard and she yelled. She just seemed really, really into it. And she was being kind of built as someone who could take the championship eventually and be the first female triple L champion. But she got a, a horrible knee injury, which put her out for, I think, must have almost been two years, I think. And because of that, sadly, her her trajectory, you know, not just in Triple L, but in general, just had to come to a stop, which was which was really sad. Um, but because of that, it kind of the next person who was sort of in line for that was, was me. And I didn't see this coming because I wanted to keep training until I was really good. And I didn't realize that it didn't work like that because you have to do shows as part of training, you know. And I remember when. I think it was just, it was a private session. I was with some friends and my trainer, Greg Burridge, was like, right, so uh, in your match against Callum and Mikey, uh, you're going over. And I was like, excuse me. <laughs> what do you mean me going over? That makes no sense. I'm, I'm Clementine. I'm the, I'm, you know, I've got that underdog story that I've kind of been building as someone who comes in and has fun and then just, you know, oh, well, I'll try again later. And I thought he was joking for a while until I asked him again. He was like, no, I was completely serious. And man I remember being so stressed I was so stressed I was like I don't know why because it's pressure isn't it it's um especially if you're the first woman there's a lot of expectations that come with that because if you're in a minority you you feel a lot of pressure to 
be as good as the majority you know and you feel like you have to work so much harder to kind of to feel like people say oh yeah she earned her spot you know to to pleasantly surprise people who might not necessarily think that women are good wrestlers oh I was pleasantly surprised by that there's always that pressure there um but because you know I was I was wrestling someone I knew and I made my dad go to that show he doesn't quite really like the idea of wrestling he finds it a bit um hair raising I believe were his exact words but he came he hid at the back of the of the bar like that um, but he came so I was happy about that and when I um because of how you know how how I am and how the story had been told the 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 explosion of noise when I when I won was just it was palpable I can't usually hear crowds when I go out in matches because I get kind of adrenaline ears I don't know if that makes sense that hearing just becomes weird but no, that's definitely a thing I've had people tell me that because I can sometimes hear it and I'll say something like oh man did you hear the people when we did blah 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 and I've had um opponents look at me and be like nope I didn't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like okay but it is a thing it is definitely a thing and it's something that I've noticed that like there's no like pocket of performers that experience it like it's something new people and like people that have been wrestling 15 years so it's yeah, definitely it's, a thing I can validate that for you, <laughs> you. I appreciate that <laughs> in weird ways and for some reason hearing loss just like you know like you're listening to a shell like let's see it kind yeah. of like, noise but I heard that I heard that pop and I saw everyone's, you know, everyone's arms went up in the air, everyone's beers went, uh. and I think I had a little bit of a cry. Um, looking back on it, I don't know if I was crying or just very sweaty, but I definitely looked like I was having a little bit of a cry, but it felt so big because everyone who I had trained with for, gosh, maybe two years before that came out and just clapped and celebrated with me. So it's a moment I'll never forget, but I also, in a way, my memory of it is through watching it back so actually it's kind of like an out of body sort of experience when I watch that back because I don't remember you know the movements I did or being lifted up but I remember watching the footage it's 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 strange it meant so much that my memory is obviously got altered I guess so I heard you mention in passing that like you're really drawn to the idea of characters in wrestling and we were just talking about like this lucha championship and that I also heard that you potentially got into wrestling via Lucha Underground, which I think is really fascinating because they're pretty much pioneers when it comes to the cinematic style and creating this, uh, I'm going to call it a wrestling multiverse. Is that a good good name for it? I think so, yeah. 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 And I just wanted to get some more of your thoughts on that because I did think it was a very unique project that had some cool legs and some cool concepts that we maybe not had, we hadn't seen in the world of wrestling before. Yeah, I mean, Lucha Underground is is by far my my favorite form of wrestling. I love that it included those really well produced vignettes, those storylines, you know, those little things where you went into Cueto's office and you know there was a dialogue going on, there was a conversation, which is something in most shows you only get with backstage promos, for example, or hype packages. And you know, it managed to take all of those storytelling. What's the word I'm looking for? Storytelling. I use tools. Yeah. And kind of gave context to everything. It made yeah, it so much more it, meaningful. And it had these um, because I've always been a fan of fantasy and sci-fi. You know, I can before I started wrestling, I'd just write fan fiction for hours and just sit on Tumblr and just you know look at pictures and find <laughs> you know. And so awesome. when I found Lucha Underground, it was it gave me everything I wanted. It gave me it gave me combat and cool moves from what you know from when I used to watch Xena. 
It gave me snake people and, and character death and time travel and just crazy stuff like that, all in the context of wrestling. And, you know, when you first see proper Lucha Libre as, you know, just some random normal human being and you're like, this is, this is, I don't understand how this is. This is just fascinating gymnastic aptitude right here. And it was so easy to get invested in the storylines because they were, they were out there and often acted a bit dodgily, but you were so invested. It was so dramatic and just, oh, I've got so much love for each other. I haven't even seen all of them. I think I've seen the first three seasons because they're so hard to find online. I don't know where to find the later seasons, but Lucha Underground inspired me because these characters felt like they all had the same level of importance. You know, you had people who were maybe the champions and the people who were the... Um, <clears throat> the valets maybe, but everyone felt like they brought something important. No one was forgotten. And I really like that. So speaking of uh, different approaches to wrestling and uh, different styles, uh, you have, you've appeared for wrestle carnival and we're going to be conducting a separate interview with promoter Gary Ward. Uh, and this is a promotion that was founded uh, during the pandemic, which is really unusual but we've seen this situation where people can come out of, again, just a very different environment and then end up in a different place. You spoke to being elevated and then uh, appearing in all these new positions, uh, spots of prominent, prominence. Um, I believe, were you in the first uh, matchback for Eve? Am I remembering that correctly? When they Yeah, I was. I was at their first um, pay-per-view back. Okay. Yeah. So how does this feel to, you know, be pr predominantly in triple L that one promotion and then to be going to some of these other places, could you speak to like what they have to offer and the individual characters of, you know, these different promotions? Yeah, definitely. It was, um, it was, uh, it was very jarring in a way because I saw myself in a certain place and then everyone else was saying, you know, you're, we think you're here and you get quite a lot of, um, if you're me anyway, I got quite a lot of imposter syndrome when it came to that because I still saw myself as like a little kind of trainee worm in a way who just, you know, um, and then I was being booked in, you know, for, for example, the opening of uh, of Queendom for Eve um, against Mercedes Blaze, who I think is fantastic. And it was, it was very strange because after, after we did the match, we came back and everyone was clapping. And I was like, goodness, this is, not new because obviously there was that support I'd found in other places before that, but to be somewhere like pro wrestling Eve, which was always a goal of mine. I always said to myself, I'll believe I'm good when I get booked on Eve. And then I was, and I was like, Oh, this is very strange. But it was, it was really, really validating, um, which was a really big confident boost because it, a kind of a highlight that will last for at least a week. Everything seems easier after you felt like you've really accomplished something. You'll get a kind of, it's almost like you go on easy mode for a bit, you know? Confidence and, boost. It's like, you, you're like, I can do it. I can really do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it feels like though, it's, it's all the questioning that you've had along the way seems to just kind of fall to the wayside for a moment. It really is quite a wonderful feeling. <laughs> it is. It really is. And same with um, Wrestle Carnival. That was a, a new one that I went to after lockdown because obviously it was a new promotion. And um, Gary is very good at... Um, spotting people and knowing where to put them and um 
the concept of carnival is meant to be, you know, a variety show. So you'll have, it won't be the same kind of match every time, <clears throat> you know, you'll have your, you'll have your scrambles, you'll have your, your, your comedy matches, you'll have your hard hissing matches and the booking is, and the long-term storytelling is really good at carnival. Um, and I'm looking forward to my next match there with Ava Everett. That's going to be so much fun. I honestly can't wait. She's amazing. I can't I wait know. to watch that match. I can't wait to watch that match. That just made my morning. I'm so excited. I'm <laughs> Let's go. Can't yeah, wait. She, she's fantastic. I, 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 I watched a couple of her matches just um, uh, pre-announcement. And she she moves like a warrior, you know, and she's not afraid to be to be loud and athletic. And I, I love people like that. People who, who just go for it. And she's got that. So I'm really looking forward to that a lot. Is she bringing that new WXW Women's Championship belt with her to that show? I you hope saw? so. I would like to see it. So I hope she does bring it. Maybe she'll come out with it. Who knows? Uh, yeah, that's a exciting matchup. Um, I like that there's this potential for international travel uh, once again. Do you see yourself at any point perhaps coming over this side of the pond wrestling in the US? I would love to. I would love to. I I always enjoy there's a few kind of um there's a few promotions I follow. There's also a few um I think wrestling with unicorns is a um I think they're a, a film company who film different um, not entirely yeah. they film different yeah. different promotions and the the creativity that comes out of the things they put out is just mind-boggling it always just looks so innovative and I love that I love I love creativity I love when things are a bit different and you know I've met people who have come over from US to the UK and they've all they're always so so polite which is interesting because I think the Brits like to think that they're the polite ones but Brits will rock <laughs> in they'll be like you're right and they'll go, yeah but the Americans that all come up and they'll shake your hand and they'll say hello my name is this and you're like gosh they're all that's so a regional thing here like in okay. the south, people are super nice, and the further north you go, people are a little bit more inward sometimes. Interesting, like the sliding yeah. scale. Um, such a I would country. love, I would love to see you come over here and have matches with us, ladies at WWR Plus. We have a lot of really fun characters, and I think you would just fit in perfectly. I, I would love that. I would honestly love that. It's been, um, you know, you have those kind of, you have those short-term goals, and you have the horizon goals. And it's always been a horizon goal for me, you know. And a lot of other people. I know a lot of people who are who are itching to come over to the US. And now travel has opened back up. You know, it facilitate that. Again. Let's go! I know, <laughs> I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I just wanna I wanted to go back in Maxi and Paler's suitcase, but I don't know how well that would have ended for me. <laughs> they could just kind of put you in there nice and compact. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. I forgot you just had that match with them. Max actually had their first official interview cheap plug in the current issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine. <laughs> and I survived that somehow. I'm impressed that you're here speaking with us after, after facing uh, someone of that size and strength and everything. It's don't mess with Max. <laughs> well, it's, it's me. That's such a polarizing matchup because they yeah. are like this warrior of the wasteland and yep. Clementine, you with your presentation to me, you come off as like this warrior princess or this warrior goddess almost. I don't know if that's your intent or not, but that's what it was like. And it's just like, wow, what a clash of titans! What a fun yeah. match! And it and it, it was fun. I mean, it was a it was a match that I was I was insanely excited about it because I'd already followed Max for a while because I remember finding their profile and I was like, this person looks like a boss from Fallout, and I'm interested. No one. Yes. <laughs> 
right? No one looks like them. I can't think of anyone I would compare to them. No one, you know, I could say that, you know, maybe I look like someone else, someone else I know. There's a comparison kind of bubble in a Venn diagram of wrestling. And then so you have here, here, and then that Max is in their own bubble. Just Over here. Yeah. 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 In wasteland. They're in the wasteland. So I, I, I love that no one was like them. And so when I saw them on the Eve post, I was like, I need to, I, I really need to take this opportunity. And it was, it was scary because it, it's, it's bold to, to, to push for things like that, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the main, um, the main worry with that is that people thought they would uh, see Clementine die. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, Glad that did not happen. <laughs> I did spend a couple of days in bed afterwards, just, you know, in sure. my, with my video games, my blanket, just like, oh, this is nice afterwards. Do I so, feel human yet? No, maybe. Maybe one more <laughs> So it seems like you're a re- sort of a regular for Eve now. And certainly when we were looking to set up, well, to record this episode in general, we said, hey, who should we talk to? As- asking our listeners, who do you really want to hear on this? And your name kept coming up. Uh, yeah, they tagged it, you like a million times. Yeah, that, that yeah. I was looking when we were trying to make our decision. I'm like, man, we have to do Clementine. There's so many people that just want to hear from her. We're going to get like eat if we don't at this point, we got to do it. So maybe that's it. I mean, there's this, like all this talk about intangibles. And I mean, you have this quality that just makes you popular. I mean, is that, you know, uh, is that something that puts more pressure on you? Is that something that motivates you to do a better job in the ring? Yeah, there is. I think there's a lot of pressure that comes with, um, people already knowing that you're likable before seeing you. And, right. uh, it's it's very strange for me because um, being popular is 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 very new. In in school, I was you know the the quiet nerd kid you know who drew lots of like eyeballs on my notepad you know those kind of things. And I remember after I kind of I'd done my studying and everything, and I I was a bit at a loss because I didn't know how to. Um, I wasn't sure what my thing was. Uh, my my studying wasn't my thing. Um, I was kind of at a bit of a crossroads. And when I found wrestling, I felt like. I'd found the place that I I belonged in a way. And it was so exciting because I felt like I'd finally found the thing. So I think a lot of the likability is mostly just because I love that I found that, you know, and I'm so, I have to kind of count my blessings in that case because it stopped me from drifting and it gave me a direction and a purpose. And that likability that people see in, in Clementine performances is, you know, genuine joy, you know. But it is it is it is a lot of um, it is a lot of pressure because there's always that worry that you'll go out and you know what if they don't what if these ones don't like me and then you have then you have a very difficult job of either trying to uh, of, of of bringing them to you know a level where they do like you and you, it's not it's different for every crowd you know um, but it helps that I look like an eight year old child so you know I tend to get by quite easily just on looking like this. <laughs> You know, you, you said that it made me think because in America, when you go wrestle in the South or the West or it's a huge country, you know, the North, the Midwest, the Pacific Northwest, like all the crowds are different and they all react to different things and they all want to see different things depending on where you're at. And the UK is a country, but you guys have a lot of countries that are together in Europe that would be about the size of America, but they're all separate. So instead of states, it's like countries. Anyways, do different countries react to crowds differently or do they want to see different things like in your experience have you noticed anything like that over there I've only ever just been to I've only ever wrestled in England thus far oh, okay I've got a um, my first international booking at the uh, the beginning of April for Body Slam in Denmark which I'm 
awesome. hugely excited about because yeah, I've always wanted to go get over to Denmark, but and now I've finally as again it's you know travels opened up and wrestling and travel together facilitates these adventures that we can have now. Um, but even within the country, crowds are crowds are different. Even though we're much smaller, there's um, there's a kind of a north and south divide in in the UK, just in England alone. Sorry, not just the whole of the UK, where northern crowds feel you know to me very different than southern crowds. I found that crowds in Manchester in the north of England, for example, are much more. Um, they're a lot louder. They're more comfortable with shouting and like having a good time. And there are some places in the South where they'll, they'll sit and they'll, they'll enjoy the show, but you won't necessarily get the bellowing, you know, but you have to kind of, you know, you watch a, a Japanese match and the first time you watch it, you're like, why are they so quiet? This is unbelievable. These wrestlers not entertaining them enough, but it's just, even within one country, there's cultural differences, which means that people express enjoyment differently. So, which is weird to get used to if you're used to one particular reaction, you go somewhere else and it's different, you know. I love that, um, we'll call it the, the Japanese quiet reaction that people get because I think some people get nervous because they don't hear anything, but I think that's really cool because it means what you're doing is so fascinating. People are just like watching, like they're truly watching. They can't even think you just impulsively react to noise because they're so invested in what you're doing. So I think that's really cool. If you can get that reaction out of people, you've done something because that's not an yeah. easy one to get. Definitely. And you find yourself when you watch those matches uh, kind of reacting the same way as the crowd, because I suppose even through your computer screen, you still get caught up in that crowd mentality and you'll watch this, you know, you'll watch them, um, you know, maybe someone's in an armbar and then they'll get out and they'll put them in an armbar again. They just, you know, they fight with that armbar for ages and everyone's quiet. Everyone's watching. Everyone's letting them concentrate. And then they get out and everyone goes, and you're there going, yeah, that was great. Um, but yeah, J Japanese crowds are so interesting to watch. It feels almost more academic there in a way, I suppose, if that's the right word. Wrestling clinic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> interesting. And of course, even within Japan, you have some variation. And if it's a different type of show, if there's a deathmatch show or mm. a show with more comedy matches on it, it might be a little bit more, you know, boisterous, but... There's also the very serious sports side over in Japan. So it, it's just cool. Everywhere you go, there are uh, particular uh, quirks. And I think that's a really cool thing. I think I just said cool about six times. I need a thesaurus. Um, <laughs> we, know, uh, we know you're busy. We want to let you uh, go soon. But I will just put this general question out there and, and defer to Kaya for any closing questions. But what goals do you have set? I mean, you've mentioned some general things, wanting to uh, wrestle in different countries, but any bucket list promotions, opponents, other things that you want to accomplish in the next year or so? You've already done a lot. That's a very good question. Um, I mean, just looking back at the last year, 2021, 2021 was an insanely, a lot of change right. happened. I, I moved house I got a new job I was wrestling every weekend like every every single day I was doing something and it was it was a lot like there were, I got so burnt out a lot of times but I just if I felt like it went really quickly because I had so much to do but there were a lot of times when I was feeling really low about that burnout and then I had a little bit of a break over the Christmas period when I went to see my family in Norway and I came back to wrestling and I was like I don't feel so 
I feel like I can see clearly because I've had time to to be away from it and kind of consider what I want. And for me, it's more about I want to kind of I want to develop Clementine into the person that I've always kind of wanted her to be because I want her to be someone who I who I would make in a video game, you know, someone who is strong and and smart and can can rise to any challenge. And I feel like that development has already started to happen, especially with the the map the, the match with Max. That's very hard to say. The match with Max. Because it was it was final boss, really, wasn't it? So having those sorts of opportunities to get in there and develop and become a more well-rounded performer and you know having more spare time that I can actually go to more training seminars and things like that. I just want to really build myself up to uh, a higher level, I suppose, so I can offer more in my performances and just, you know, when, for example, the message does come to, you know, come over to the US, I'll know that I can go there and smash it, you know. Well, I, for one, cannot wait to see where the adventure of Clementine goes next. I do. I feel like I'm now in a video game and I'm following your character as she ascends through the ranks to get to that final boss position. Love that. <laughs> and, and I love that I've been um, pulled along for the ride and kind of like sucked in. I, I think that's really unique and special that you're able to create a character that gets people invested. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. All right. Kaya, do you have any other questions that you would like to ask our guests before we do plugs and wrap us up? Nope, I'm good. Let's do the plugs. All right. Clementine, what would you like to promote, uh, whether that's where to follow you on social media, upcoming shows you might have, merchandise you want to uh, sell? Floor is yours. This is when I have to check the spelling of my own Twitter. Um, <laughs> <so> <laughs> when you've got a long name, um, it's yeah. very difficult. Um, so I can be followed on Twitter at Clementine PRWR. I also am quite active on Instagram under drumroll. Oh, it's just Clementine Pro Wrestler, which is by far the easiest one. Um, any kind of, any merch I have is just at the moment, it's a, it's a DM-like situation. So slide into my DMs if you want a picture. Um, I also sell t-shirts from onthegear.com, which is, which can be accessed from my Twitter or my Instagram my next big adventure is um, Body Slam in Denmark on the 2nd of April. So I'm looking forward to going and doing that. And I also have a really unique project called um, uh, Mythos, which is a, it's a mythology meets wrestling meets acting. It's essentially a play about the, um, the inception and the destruction of, of the kind of Norse mythology story. And we take on these characters and we we tell the audience a story like a, in a ring with no ropes. Um, and we tell the story of Ragnarok and the beginning of the world. And we're hoping to get loads more shows this year. Uh, the next one is at the Camden Roundhouse in London on, drumroll again while I check my calendar, on the 10th of April. So tickets can be accessed um, through my Instagram account and I really recommend coming along to that because it's honestly the coolest thing ever. That sounds so cool. Like really literal is. wrestling theater. Like what? That's insane. I love that. Yeah, it's amazing. Wow. All right. Well, everybody definitely go check that out. Lot, lots of cool things to see. And Clementine, thank you for making the time for us today and for being a guest on Pro Wrestling Indie Straded. 
Thank you so much for having me. I've had a really nice time. <laughs> well, like you said, Kaya, Clementine is awesome. That was a really cool conversation. And it's, yeah, I think her career, there's the best is surely ahead of her. She's really popular. We got so many requests to have her on. Glad that we did. Uh, so many. There were literally so many. I went back through the thread and it was like, Clementine, Clementine, you got to interview Clementine. And I'm like, man, we got to interview Clementine. There's no choice. But I'm so glad we did because she was great. So cool. And uh, the thread, if if uh, anyone listening was not part of said thread, it was just, hey, we're going to do an episode on the UK. Who should we talk to? And yeah, Clementine, Clementine, at Clementine. She was Clementine. the crowd favorite. And we totally get why after that interview. Um, she's got a fan in me. Hundred percent. Um, is that the Toy Story song? That and you've, you've got, got a, a friend in me, but we can do oh. a wrestling version. You've got a fan in me. That would be great. <laughs> It'd be great or terrible. One of the two. It's there's it, no it, great it's or terrible, terrible, depending on the context of the situation. But we're just going to put all of the energy into it being great and positive, and not terrible. We do not need anything else negative or terrible on the internet. There's enough That's, of that to go around. Good vibes from the good witch right there. Let's let's head into this next interview. We spoke to a promoter from the UK who's doing some really exciting stuff with a new promotion called relatively new promotion. We'll find out that the roots go back a little further than I thought called Russell Carnival. And that is Gary Ward. Let's go to that interview with Gary right now. Gary, thanks. Thank you so much for joining us here today on pro wrestling Illustrated. Uh, We want to talk all about, your new promotion, well, maybe not new anymore, but a, a newer, newest promotion. Uh, could you talk a little bit about what Wrestle Carnival is and how it came to be? Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. It's a um, pleasure. I've been an uh, avid reader of the magazine for a long time, so it's uh, great to have oh, to be on here. So I really do appreciate that. Um, yeah, the, the promotion really stemmed from sort of ideas I'd had for a while. Um, I'd had a previous promotion and um, wanted to do something um, slightly different rather than sort of more aimed sort of a Japanese audience uh, or sort of strong style. I want to get a bit more creative perhaps. And um, yeah, just I'm quite a creative mind. So I spent a long time just coming up with different branding ideas and probably made about seven or eight different promotions. Uh, so sort of the ideas, the logos, sort of just everything. And the more I, <clears throat> excuse me, the more I look back onto the history of wrestling, it started with the carnivals and um, that always rung true with me. And I was like, you know, let's just dive in a little bit deeper on that. And so sort of as I, as I looked into more things, I always thought carnivals, such bright colors, completely different to what I was doing. So um, I thought Wrestle Carnival sounded pretty good. Obviously, there was a Wrestle Circus in the in the US, so I was quite aware that we needed to not use the Wrestle Circus name. Um, <clears throat> but then, yeah, it was very big colours, over the top characters, and try and um, uh, try and use some things that had happened back in the carnival days. And like on our first show, we had um, we had a wrestler in the crowd that was under a mask, and we pretended that you know that. The, the the baddie in the ring wanted to wrestle one of the locals as what would happen in in the carnival days and then the wrestlers come in and we had those sort of sort of things so yeah it was just i wanted to be very different to what i was or had done previously <clears throat> and be a bit more creative in terms of different characters and things like that and um so far it's going pretty well so far i'm i'm happy i'm not completely happy but i don't think 
you ever are um, with anything that you create, but it's uh, it's a building block for us, certainly. You mentioned these uh, the promotion having this different vibe to it, uh, specifically not being like what you were doing before. You also picked an unusual time to launch this. So it's it's something that's unlike, you know, you alluded to uh, the Japanese style, the British strong style, that that's so prevalent um, in the uh, UK independent scene. But you also picked during a pandemic to launch this. So it's, it's 2021. Wrestling is shut down in Britain for lo- uh, much longer than it was in the US, for better and for worse. Yeah. And... You know, it's coming back. A lot has happened. Speaking out, of course, occurred and some some trash was taken out. Uh, WWE had scooped up a, a bunch of talent. It really did feel like not just for Wrestle Carnival, but for the, the Brit Rest scene as a whole, sort of a reset. Could you talk a little bit about some of those challenges coming back and trying to start up this new promotion during uh, this this unusual, completely unprecedented period? Well, originally it was due to launch in March of 2019. So basically it was ready to go. <clears throat> I'd had everything ready for a couple of months. I wanted to do it like the official launch would have been New Year's Day. Um, I had some um, some videos made where it's like a bit spooky uh, carnivals sort of turning and it's just to try and um, get some interest. Uh, and then I wanted to launch it sort of within the first couple of weeks of new year of the new year and then we the first show would have been march so everything was booked the show was was planned talent was booked venues etc um and yeah we just all of a sudden started hearing the noises of like something called coronavirus or and nobody really knew what that was and to be honest i kind of just thought oh it'd be nothing i didn't really worry about it and then it became pretty obvious that it was something we need to sort of address and worry about but it was pretty much ready to go um so i stopped the launch i didn't go ahead with everything that i was doing i think i may have slipped out one video or what or something but i was quickly able to sort of retract that and then sort of try to take um any spotlight away from it so people didn't didn't see it so a lot of people think that it was launched directly in the middle of the pandemic and in in a way it was but it was sort of ready to go um to be quite frank i just wanted to i just wanted to come back we i needed some normality in, in my life um i was you know watching game changer wrestling 24 hour streams and things like that and it's you know and uh, a lot of you know best of uh c4 in canada on iwtv and just watching so much and just yeah we were just missing it you know and at any point i could try and come and start and launch i wanted to in hindsight maybe i should have waited a little bit longer um when we originally then when we did launch in august um you know it was it was fine we have a nice big venue so we were able to deal with any coronavirus worries and and spread people out and things like that so initially launching it it didn't really um worry me too much um uh, as i do every day the, the last thing i look at before i go to bed is ticket sales and the first thing i look at when i wake up is ticket sales and, and things like that so um, they were the only worries that you get but you get that with any promotion that you start until you get to a certain point where it's you know you're not we're not going to be a pwg where we just have to put a text out and then that's it and then we sell out you know <laughs> well maybe one day we'll get there but um yeah it's just um it was it was fun 
Um, it was a gamble, like everything is. You know, someone said to me yesterday, actually, that uh, promoting is just a, uh, a special word for gambling. Um, you could gamble on every show and be a winner, and then that one show, you don't win that bet. And that's essentially what, what promoting is. You're, you're gambling each time you put a show on. So it was a gamble. I'm um, pleased it, it paid off and we're, and we're building. And, you know, like I said uh, a few moments ago, I'm not happy with everything that we're doing. There's a lot I'd like to, not a lot, but a fair amount of things I'd like to change and improve on. But um, as you said, British wrestling is really just coming back now and everybody's running. Um, there's so many shows on. There's new promotions starting up. Again, like on a near monthly basis nearly. So there's a lot happening and it's um, that's only good for the scene. But we just need to be careful that we just don't get e- eaten up by um, doing too much um and you know making sure that it's about quality rather than quantity i I just wanted to say honestly one of the things that makes wrestle carnival so great and it's creating a for emerging talent and when it comes to promoting i think that you're very very smart in the sense of you're bringing in names but you seem to have a really good flair for where to slot everybody in to maximize the benefit for everyone involved and and is there like a strategy to that? Are you trying to create this, this feel intentionally or like, what's the strategy behind that? Because I think that's so great. Like I just, I've never seen anybody else be that efficient at balancing the emerging talent and visiting talent. It's a lot of, and this is really strange. It's a lot of playing, um, uh, TEW. I don't know if you've ever heard of TEW as a wrestling book again. I've probably played it for maybe 15 years, something like that. And it's a lot of playing that a lot of, uh you know sitting around thinking um i don't listen to music or or uh, i have the occasional podcast i listen to but if i'm in the car on my way to work there's nothing on that's just me thinking of ideas thinking of this person could work with this person um the amount of tape and and messages that i get is is pretty insane i couldn't imagine what it would be like for someone in a a big company because at times i feel quite overwhelmed by it um but then you know, other people are dedicating their lives to it. You know, I have a, I have a normal job. I work 12 hours a day and, and whatnot. But a lot of the, my downtime, I am either um, playing with ideas on, on games or writing things down. And, and uh, yeah, a, a lot of it is trial by error. Um, a lot of it is going to shows, watching people, trying to consume as much content as you possibly can. And um, as you said at the beginning, Kevin, you know, we, we had a lot of people leave, go to NXT UK. While we can start using some people, some of those talents again now and, and some promotions can, um, we lost a, a, a large amount of performers. And really, I kind of see it as in part my responsibility to be Gabe to try and use the next crop of people with a, a Jonathan Gresham or a, or a um, Jordan Grace or a Hyann or whoever else we're bringing in, you know, we've got Maxine Paler coming in in May. So being able to mix those people with who we have and be a part of a stepping block for people to get onto bigger shows has has always been something I wanted to do. Um, I appreciate your kind words on on uh, the mixture. It, it is intentionally made that way because I love <clears throat> strong style. I love Japanese wrestling, pure wrestling, Ring of Honor is like my... Uh, I absolutely love Ring of Honor. I could watch it all the time, especially the Pure Division and things like that. So 
for me, I could quite easily sit here now and we could we could make a promotion that would be incredible for that type of wrestling. Um, not everybody's like me and we need variety on our shows. And while everybody says and everyone promotes variety, um, nobody actually says it. Um, and that's where my sort of slogan comes in, variety wrestling show, um, because I want a bit of everything. You know, I want a Japanese or British strong style match. I want a, a bit of comedy. Um, the girls are very well um, pushed on my shows. Um, we've got tag team wrestling. We've got veterans. We've got the you know very young young performers. And I just think that nice mix, along with the sort of the colours and the colour schemes and the and things like that, really mesh well. Uh, and hopefully it's just you know we keep keep improving as as shows go on. Whether that's with the number of people we bring in, or our efficiency in running the shows, or the talent that we're using, and the efficiency of them getting through the matches and just taking on storylines and ideas and things like that. So it's just uh, it's a constant learning curve for us all. And to that end, you've created these relationships with other promotions to some degree because you've had. Uh, some Ring of Honor involvement and some uh, WXW from Germany. How is, is is some of that relationships that you maybe had in the past that you've carried over, or was this just your ambition to uh, get out there and be a part of the greater wrestling landscape? How did that come about? It's a it's a mixture of both, really. Um, mm -hmm. When I first started. Um, obviously I would just go to shows to be fair I live in a very very small town and I, I, we don't really have any public transport here and I, I didn't drive for you know, a good part of my young adult life um, and I would just watch shows and I would write about them I would contribute to a magazine or I'd do a podcast or just give my thoughts and opinions just like we all do you know we're all armchair quarterbacks we we all think that what we're thinking is great and we and sometimes we like to express that uh, and originally I was doing that and that's kind of how I got um, friendly with promotions like AAW in Chicago, um, Ring of Honor, uh, WXW, um, uh, who else, um, House of Glory. Um, promotions were actively giving me their, um, their shows and I was just reviewing and giving my thoughts and opinions and it got to a point where I always thought I'd like to do this um, and those relationships just carried on. Ring of Honor, for example, um, they would always invite me to their shows whenever they came to the UK. So I'd just <clears throat> go back, go, uh, go and cover the cover the shows, or they would just invite me because I'd heavily promoted them in the UK to the audience here, and I'd run sort of things to really push them out in in Europe as best they can. And that just that relationship grew. And how we got to the point here now, um, certainly in August, is I looked at um, what was happening in in America, and to be fair. Game Changer Wrestling were pretty much the only promotion that was running. Ring of Honor certainly weren't. And a number of the, their performers were friends of mine. Joe, Joe Hendry, Sesha Moff Martina, um, Doug Williams, some, someone I've worked with before. And yeah, I just approached to Ring of Honor and said, look, you've got talent that can't wrestle um, because they can't come over there. I've got a show. Um, I can run. Um, is there something that we could do that I provide you with the content? And you know, we just help us out with some... I only really wanted a couple of retweets or something, um, but it kind of escalated onto sort of our own show. And then we went on to, you know, um, week by week. And it was just a combination of what we got. And then I was invited to final battle and things like that. So just a bit of both. You 
once you kind of start working with one person others want to start as well uh, I've always been very open that I'll work with anybody within reason um, it does seem that more um, overseas companies want to do that more than anyone else um, Shimmer for instance were very open for us to use their belt on our show WXW the same Ring of Honor obviously I would like to be able to do more Ring of Honor but to be honest I don't know what's going to happen with that now but um you know, impact we had we had Jordan Grace and hopefully there's something could be built there. So it's it's both. You once you deal with once you start working with one person and there's a bit of buzz, other people notice and then want to be a part of it. And that's just that's always good for us. Um that's that's certainly how young we are. It's perfect for us. You know, we talk about like the wrestling ecosystem, right? Where you have like your your smaller like super mom and pop promotions, and then you have like these super indies, like you know GCW or I guess like Progress over in the UK or um, AW Beyond. And then there's this whole middle area that that needs to be catered to that is substantial and, and valuable, right? That maybe is people who are trying to work a, show a little bit bigger than the mom and pop show, but they're not quite ready for TV, but occasionally you can have a TV person roll through and, and help elevate some younger talent. And I think you really have kind of hit a sweet spot with filling that need because there's not a lot of people that are in that pocket right now, but there's a huge demand for it. Yeah, there's a demand. There definitely is a demand for it. There's um, the biggest issue I think as well we have at the moment in the UK is that um, uh, financially people are still relatively struggling. Um, so when you go to a, you know, you call it a mom and pop um, promotion, um, they are essentially a cheaper uh, way of, of for people to come to shows and enjoy entertainment. You know, I have a, I have a five-year-old daughter and in, in my head, I'm like, how could I cater to her? She's just started to show some interest in wrestling. I, we got her a, a couple of figures recently and she's starting to show some interest. But for me, I want her to see you know, people that are very, very good. Um, not saying that anyone else is running anything that isn't good, but um, I really want her to see the best that is about. And so for me, I, I looked at, is there a way that I could get under 16s in for free? So I just started doing an under 16 for free ticket. While I would class us not really as a mum and pop thing, we're more sort of are a bit like an indie. Um, someone called me a super indie before and I'm not really sure if I am that yet, but maybe. Um, but yeah, I, there is a there's a gap in the market here, definitely, in my opinion. Uh, RevPro um, have been running a little bit longer than everybody else since the pandemic. Progress have only been back maybe two months. Uh, and there's a number of other promotions around that are, are doing really well. I just personally feel there is a gap um, that we could fit into that for a lot of different clientele a lot of different age groups uh i mean we get maybe three or four year olds all the way up to over 60 so <laughs> for me it's um we have a very wide uh client base or client base probably the wrong word but fan base is probably a better word i love that because some of my best memories growing up are when my parents would take me to smaller wrestling shows or take me to like middle tier wrestling shows or like the occasional bigger indie show and I have so many good memories as a kid doing that. And I think sometimes in the constant race to be innovative and to be new and to be edgy and different, we, we forget about that whole chunk of audience that's families that really just want to come and have a product to enjoy. So I love that you're creating something that's an all ages experience. Yeah. That's, gets more that, people into wrestling. Yeah. This, that's exactly what I was about to say. Um, with everything that else has happened in the UK, you know, COVID or speaking out or, or whatever, and just, 
but there are fans that don't are not fans anymore and and i'm sure in america you find that too you know your country is absolutely ginormous in comparison to to us so we do have a very small audience base and that that is it you know those are the next me and you and and you kevin they're the next us three you know in and we need to cater for those people and we need to make sure that they're in good environments and they're seeing some good wrestling um and then hopefully they'll be the next me you or kevin you know they might be the next podcast person or the next promoter or, or just a fan and, and that's absolutely fine too so um yeah we need to we need to be looking after these people and you never know who that person's going to be. It could be the kid just sitting there looking over the guardrail quiet and that's your next superstar. You never know. Um, so no, so you, look at, you look at Maxwell Jacob um, Friedman, you know, the <laughs> yeah. pictures that he's had with CM Punk, you know, he's now wrestling CM Punk. So, you know, there's, there's a number of people that you meet uh, as children and then you may be lucky enough to wrestle them or, you know, um, then work with you. Uh, like for me, I went and saw Doug Williams a number of times. I never thought when I'm 30 that Doug Williams is going to, is wrestling on a show that I'm booking. So, uh, you know, or if, like I say, I'm a huge Ring of Honor fan. I never knew I'd ha- even be spoken to by Ring of Honor, let alone having my own show on their program and things like that. So you just never know what's going to happen. You just, you just don't, and you don't know who you're, going to be around they, they could be the next superstar sat next year showing you just no idea let's talk about doug williams of course uh legend of british wrestling and is known internationally as well and he's going to be on this next uh, event that's coming up mardi gras uh on is it the tw- 26th i believe march yeah that's correct. uh okay um yeah talk a little bit about the main event of that show and and generally what uh what fans can look forward to in terms of in terms of the British talent that is on these events? So the, for Mardi Gras specifically, I wanted to to build a, not like a, a complete like G1 style. I had um, previously the, the other promotion, I, I called it the, the Emerald, uh, em, Emerald G1 or something like Emerald, some, Emerald, Emerald Grand Prix, that was it, I called it. Uh, and, and yeah, I wanted to build something like that. I think that tournaments are very good um tournaments done well are good um but not too much and we're, we're a promotion that certainly couldn't run multiple days so trying to do something in in one day uh but not too many matches because again people switch off if there's too much going on so we've got a we've got a mardi gras and we've got an a and a b block some male and a female uh, only block and then the winners of that will become the number one contenders essentially we need yeah you you need to have the performers need to be wrestling for something. There needs to be a reason why they're, they're wrestling. There needs to be a reason why CM Punk is wrestling MJ up there. Ha- there has to be a reason that. So for me, now we've, we've put two champions in there and we need to build up the next people that are going to be challenging for it. Um, as a girl, I always come back to, I watch a lot of, a lot of stuff and the champions versus all-star. The same always used to enjoy ring of honor. Um, so I thought that would be pretty cool dynamic. And certainly, to have uh, an intergender tag team match as well. It's not something that's done very regularly in the UK that I've, that I've seen. Uh, and I think that that's, that's pretty cool. We've got two, certainly Charles is a, is a upcomer. Um, Alex is coming back after a long uh, injuries. And then we've got two sort of uh, got the, you know, a British legend in, in Doug and, and Jetta is equally that on the female side. So I thought from a champion to all star aspect, that's, that's great. Uh, and then we had we have Chris Ridgeway and Emerson Jane, which um, <laughs> it's going to be pretty special because they're two really hard hitting people that 
literally just want to stand and and just and go for it so you know that british strong style japanese strong style element in me is going to really enjoy that um but but, uh, yeah doug is um someone really good for the locker room we have some young people on the shows and uh, i think it's good to be around him and just to learn by watching him uh, and just to see how he conducts himself is very very professional and i think that um that's that's perfect for our locker room and with one other thing i want to bring up because you know, for anyone who's listening, who is able to get out to this show and we'll, we'll do formal plugs later on, but you know, they can, they can still buy a ticket. Um, the way that anyone who is perhaps international or just can't get out to the show is able to watch this. You're trying something a little bit different with your YouTube channel. Could you talk a little bit about how someone who's listening to this and can't get out to Mardi Gras, how they can check, check out the, uh, Russell Carnival action in general yeah so we have a we have a youtube channel i'm trying to um i'd like to give away matches matches show uh, i think is a is is great um and that just builds up the content on there and that allows us to uh, hopefully build up a subscriber rate or a following rate on there um whatever they call it what is it subscriber rate we just call it that and it allows us to then be able to sort of live stream things and do some stuff that's slightly special um so for me it's it's building that up and then we have our patreon which is essentially just our vod um uh, there's the number of video on demand services that you can use um and i just felt like patreon was an easier and a better way to to utilize that um i've used some others before and they weren't overly very user friendly and patreon's very easy uh, it literally just it, it notifies you via an email and you just click and play and watch so um my patreon is basically the vod and that's where you can see it. it's four four pounds i'm not sure the difference dollar wise maybe five or six dollars i don't know maybe slightly yeah. cheaper maybe um, so that. for instance yeah. yeah so you could see you basically can see every show that we've done and there's five of them for you know a cup of coffee so please go and subscribe <laughs> I think it's really smart to kind of give away a couple of matches here and there on YouTube and just kind of hook people that way and and create that interest and plant that seed. But then also once the seed has been planted, have a very accessible library that people can just dive right into. Um, You know, sometimes trying to find more of what we're interested in watching is a little bit of a challenge, but if you make it super easy, people are all about it. Yeah, you need it needs to be easy. a lot of things in in any work in any part of life. It kind of needs to make it, you know, really simple. Um, you know, I, there's been a number of times that I put uh, a notification out about something. You know, doors are at three o'clock, and someone always replies, "Burn the doors." It's on the graphic. You know, you need to make things as simple as possible for people, not because they're stupid or anything, because everybody has. And for people not seeing the thing, everyone has this phone in their hand. And if whatever you're looking at in front of you uh, isn't taking your interest within about tw- 10 seconds, this phone's coming out and that's it. So we need to make everything really nice and quick and sharp. And so that's what I'm trying to do. I have had a few people feedback saying they weren't sure where they could get the VOD, which is good because there's feedback there that I can deal with. But um, yeah, the, the VOD... Um, is on our patreon and youtube just backs and helps that up it, it tells any audience hey i might go to that show what's it like oh wow it's got all these bright colors it's got this it's got that um oh that's, that's pretty cool i might watch that 
Um, YouTube's a great, great, um, great tool for everybody. I love the aesthetic of the, the bold colors and like the vibrant personality that you've given this promotion because so much stuff just runs together these days. It's just like, oh, really good wrestling. Here it is. But it's just wrestling. And when yeah. you add this second layer of branding and personality to your promotion, it makes people feel like they're along for a story or a ride. Yeah, branding's very important to me. Um, branding is the first thing I think about before I do really anything. Um, and it's exactly for that reason. Um, I also believe that wrestlers, while they're enjoy the, the matches, when you see a nice big set or you'll see something that someone's put a little bit more effort into it, you kind of you feel a bit more like you want to be uh, involved more and you might want to give that extra 10%. And, and equally, I want, if, if there's a clip that anyone is out there, you know, you might, someone might put a TikTok up or something. I want there to be a point where everyone can look like, oh, no, I know who that is just because of the colours. Or oh, there's, a, there's a banner there that says Wrestle Carnival or the logos there or something needs to pop that immediately people can think, oh, I know who that is, rather than oh, I can see Chris Ridgeway versus Jonathan Gresham in progress. They just did it. They just did the same match as me, what, three months later? Um, but if you watch the two matches, while the, the, you know, the matches are different, if you didn't, if you took the canvases away, because both of us have our own logos on the canvas, they're two completely different. One's very dark and white and black, and one's very colourful. So immediately you're going to know where that, who they are. And if it's the first time you're watching it, you go, I want to watch that. I want to get involved in that. Um, so yeah, branding for me, especially doing something so colourful. Carnival needs to be colours. Um, I can't just have a black curtain that people can walk through. It just it doesn't make any any sense to me. There's so much value in having good brand equity and, and good production in making it feel like it's this big grand occasion. I, I don't think people give that as much credit as they should for making things successful in the long run. Yeah, you, obviously it's, it can be costly. What I do, um, to be honest, my my entranceway is just a couple of vinyl banners that are, what, $50 Nobody needs um, to know but, that. Shh. Don't give the secrets but, away. This, yeah, but I said this <laughs> to a few people uh, recently when I was in Germany for 16 Carat. Like they were, uh, even WXW were, were praising sort of our, just our branding and everything. I said, it's just 20, 20 quid, you know, 50, 30, $40. It's, not, it's nothing. But for me, the color schemes, the you know, the, the look of them uh, matter um and that is that is your branding that is who you are that's your identity and you know i'd love to be i'd love to have bigger budgets <laughs> i wouldn't lie and, and if i get more fans in i can do these bigger grander things uh you know more camera people and and, and nicer sets and things like that but yeah you, just um how i always done it i, I try to do as low cost low cost as i can but make it look as as high value as possible and uh, I'm pleased that it comes off and people look at it and think, oh, that's really cool. I like that. And it's, it is pretty cost effective. And um, you just got to go, go a little bit extra mile for it, I think. And that's good advice for promoters, wrestlers, anybody living, living, listening, who uh, <laughs> strives to make a living <laughs> in this industry. Or undead. Or yeah. zombies out there. Yeah, zombies. Anyone, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna discriminate. Um, anyone that's not dead, please listen. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 
good that you have this because especially as things are opening up more and maybe new promotions are starting up, they can, they can heed this advice because it's, uh, you know, if things are looking the same and it's unclear where a match is coming from, I mean, how is someone going to go and support that or, you know, buy a, a stream of it or, so, or something like that. So that is really good. Um, we want to give you a chance to specifically plug anything you want to plug, but before we do, Kaya, do you have anything else that you would like to ask Gary before we wrap up here today? I think that pretty much covered it. I, what was really cool for me was to experience what creative mind you are. Like there's, there's so much thought that goes into this that isn't on the surface. And thank you for sharing that with us today. I could, I could talk about it for hours. I had, um, I was at uh, in Germany last weekend. Me and Sebastian from uh, Smash Wrestling. We probably talked. We spoke for about two hours about this stuff, and we probably didn't even touch half the surface of things. And yeah, it just. Um, I think that the in ring is very important, but your whole look of everything is just as in, maybe even more. Uh, and while I'm very new still in wrestling, I've only been in a couple of years, and you know, <laughs> unfortunately, some of it was a pandemic. Um, it, it is exactly that. Just if anyone is wanting to try it, like go for it, but really think about what your branding is and make sure you hit that and, and really focus on, on that identity. Um, I don't perceive that I'm there yet with it. I've got a lot of layers still, I think till we're really, till I'm really comfortable with it, but what we've done in the sort of what f- five months, six months, I'm very happy with so far. So I do appreciate your uh, kind words. You take a lot of pride in your work and it definitely shows. Yeah, you've, you've got it in anything that you do, right? Um, in anything that you do. For me, I only ever wanted to run one show. I just wanted to see if I could do it. And halfway through the one show, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can do this a little bit more. But you, you have to go all in or there's no point. Um, and I, I certainly feel branding is uh, is missed on a lot of things, even here with some promotions. You know, I have, I've given my opinion and I just think that... Uh, Anyone in the US that looks at my stuff, they're going to know who I am. Like, I would never have thought that PWI would even know who I am, let alone me doing a, a podcast with them or then providing them with, you know, with free content and and, and and such. But, you know, branding helps you get get noticed. It's actually exactly the same as a performer. Your branding and your character will get you noticed. And I kind of see this as our, as our character. Very cool. This has been a great conversation, Gary. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned the uh, connection with PWI there and the free content that'll be rolling out pretty soon. I think we don't have all the details hammered out, but essentially there will be some uh, wrestle carnival stuff that we'll be showcasing on our different channels. So that that'll be a lot of fun. In the meantime, though, talk about where people can find you, where they can find wrestle carnival and how they can support this effort. If you're in the UK, then we're we're pretty based in Nottingham, which is the Midlands, so pretty much slap bang in the middle of the country. Um, we've just got, um, got a new venue in Coventry, which is a little bit souther, but that's um, very much like a music venue. Um, Ed Sheeran just played there, so it's um pretty, pretty nice place. I'm very excited for that. We'll be there in July. Um, if you can't get to a show, it's absolutely fine. Um, Patreon is available for you um patreon.com slash wrestle carnival it's like four pounds a month um which is pretty pretty cheap to be fair and you get all of the back history shows and the more 
sort of patrons we get then the more things i'll be able to do do q a's like this or interviews and chats and things like that and yeah just across every social media platform you could think of is at wrestle carnival if there isn't a um, social media that i'm on please tell me and i'll make one <laughs> so uh yeah any anywhere basically and american people please um you know check us out as well i'm very into sort of the the u.s scene um probably was more into the u.s scene than i was in the british scene before i kind of got into wrestling so um big fans of everything that everyone's doing over there as well that was awesome um i've always been aware that gary has been a um, prominent individual in the british wrestling scene in the past couple of years but to really hear about how he's kind of taken this wrestle carnival promotion of his as like his baby and he puts so much time and effort and work and he's so creative and he values branding and he values the experience of being at the show and having all sorts of performers and, and the variety and the characters he's really operating on a level that most people couldn't even wrap their heads around when it comes to promoting and being progressive in the industry of wrestling. He's doing some really special stuff for sure. And we're going to continue this international tour. I don't know if it's going to be the next episode or not. I think uh, it'll depend. Uh, depends what, on our travel woes our digital right. travel woes. Right. Right. <laughs> but, uh, I think we can say at some point we're going to do a Japan focused episode. So the, the independent scene over there, uh, I know we're both really excited about that. So excited. And, and worth mentioning, if we don't get to talk about it before then the collective weekend is coming up. WrestleMania weekend. We've got the, uh, Joey Janela spring break two nights. Of course, again, I, I heard Maven got announced for the uh, cluster. B. I saw that the other <laughs> The other day, I you know, as much time as I spend around GCW, I'm still caught off guard and shocked every once in a while. And I was like, well, that's really cool. You know, um, I'm excited to see that when I'm down there in Dallas. They've got some fun stuff lined up for sure. I know that uh, Effie will be hosting another gay brunch. That's kind of become a cult classic of all big, long GCW weekends. So totally excited and, for the brunch as well. And a, another blood sport, too. I, I think I just saw John Moxley and Biff Busick, which is pretty and, sick. Uh, I believe Masha Slamovich and Janai Kai, which will be an incredible matchup as well at Bloodsport 8. Oh, wow. And, oh, gosh, what else did I just see that I, I really, in um, uh, Mission Pro, right, they're running a block at Collective, a women's yes. show, which is like, you know, we've always had Alley Cat's Real Hot Girl shit, Alley Cat, Alley Catch, Real Hot Girl shit. But um, I love that we're continuing having women and having a women's show at the Collective. That's awesome as well. Absolutely. Can't wait to see what matches are on that card. Yeah, that's going to be great. Uh, and uh, we'll do, uh, do I, I do want to give a quick shout out to the uh, PWI's friends at Fight TV. Of course, they're going to be streaming all of it. But if you're in Dallas and you're not checking out some of these shows, WrestleMania weekend, you're really missing out. I, I can't imagine anyone listening to this podcast, though, and um, not like being <laughs> having that on their radar like you know yeah i love the indie podcast but i'm just going for wrestlemania like you can do both if you're not going in person and you're just watching on tv i know fight puts together like great bundles for a lot of these shows so you can always check fights website out and see what the deals are so you can catch as much wrestling action as possible mania weekend yeah yeah they they do have a bundle for this and i mean it's uh you know it's not it's not the same as ordering a single gcw show it's, it's more expensive but when you look at how much wrestling's on there i get it 
uh, it's a good value. Yeah, so. you get Glory Pro, I believe, for the culture is running a block, which is always great to see performers on that show. It's there's a lot of variety, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Uh, before we wrap up today, um, I always just direct everyone to go to pwi-online.com. Uh, speaking of international tour, the the current issue, which is on newsstands now, is our international spotlight. So there's stuff about. Not as much in the independent side of things, but there's uh, great things on New Japan, AAA, and actually uh, on the independent side, uh, European promotions that are outside of the UK. So that's a cool thing to check out. Uh, Francesco Mandolini, our uh, staff writer, put that one together. So that's all I have for plugs. Kaya, what would you like to plug? Uh, same old, same old at this point. You know, I, I have Twitter, I have Instagram, I, I have TikTok now. The handle is at Kaya MCK on all of these. I am not a very good TikToker. I, I think that I, I show my age a little bit when I explore the TikTok app. But if you want to see videos <laughs> of me pouncing people into oblivion and my dog making pug noises, you can follow me there because that's the content you're going to get. Uh, I have a merch store, kayamckenna.bigcartel.com. I try to update it with items pretty regularly. Maybe some like leftover witchy goodies from my Patreon that didn't get shipped out. I know I had some spell kits on there leftover from this last cycle. So if that's something that interests you, please check that out. And as always, I, I really appreciate everybody listening to our podcast. You know, when we started, it was kind of like a little passion project. Like, wouldn't it be so cool if we did this? And it's really kind of taken a hold. We, we get so much awesome feedback from everyone on it. And it just, it's been really great, especially for me as someone who's recovering from an injury. I, I love having this and having this outlet and then having you all support us and support this venture. So please stay tuned. We have some fun stuff coming up this summer.